You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, January 12th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Trollers turned out at the Sitka Assembly meeting Tuesday night to voice concerns about a court case that could shut down commercial salmon trolling in southeast Alaska. The lawsuit is about Washington killer whales and Alaskan king salmon. Fishermen and representatives from the Alaska Trollers Association asked the local assembly to consider contributing $25,000 to their legal defense fund. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. The Seattle-based environmental group Wild Fish Conservancy wants to stop the southeast troll fisheries, which they say harm an endangered population of orcas. The group has argued the government failed to adequately address the impact of Alaska's king salmon harvests on southern resident killer whales, whose population in the Puget Sound area of Washington has dropped to critically low levels. And in December, a federal judge in Washington issued a report that puts the fisheries at risk of closure. The Alaska Trollers Association is a defendant in the 2020 suit against the National Marine Fisheries Service. Sitka fisherman Matt Donahoe is the president of the Trollers Group. He says they object to the report and expect their legal expenses to increase. Anyone claiming that southern resident killer whales are starving because Alaska trollers were taking food from the mouth of their babies would be laughed out of court. That's what we thought. Yet a judge is recommending that the historic southeast Alaska troll fishery, which for 100 years has never closed, will shut down this winter. If that happens, the industry will die, and so will a large part of southeast Alaska's economy. Around a dozen fishermen asked the assembly to help with the organization's legal defense fund. And it's not just trollers. Linda Bankin leads the Alaska Longline Fishermen's Association. Both her group and the trollers drafted a report outlining research into the decline of southern resident orcas. She said the lawsuit ignores a large body of science, which indicates that pollution, not fisheries, are the biggest threat. They're struggling with habitat issues. They're struggling with what's been done in the world around them. They're in Puget Sound. It's not even fisheries, let alone the fisheries a thousand miles away up here. And that our fishermen have worked for years to keep the resources up here healthy, to keep our rivers clean, and to take care of the whole ecosystem, and to now have this overreach by an area that's not done their job to take care of that habitat, I think really illustrates Who else will be at risk if this lawsuit perseveres? When it came time for the assembly to consider the proposal, there was support. And some said they'd be interested in giving more than $25,000. Assembly member Chris Yested, who's a fisherman himself, said he saw it as an investment. I think the Sikatrol fleet produces more than $25,000 in uh, tax revenue every year to the city. So I don't think it's too much for them to ask for some of it back to fight their battles. Assemblymember Crystal Duncan suggested calling for other Southeast communities to throw in money. I'm just wondering if this is a Southeast-wide problem rather than us take and and elevate that number beyond 25,000. I guess the question is, have we reached out to say, here's what has happened since, here's how much we're requesting of Sitka, can you match that? But Duncan also wondered whether the assembly would be setting a precedent that would lead other industry groups to request money to help with legal fees. Sponsor Tor Christensen didn't take issue with that. I am hard-pressed to think of a, a uh, event that has threatened to wipe out a huge portion of our economy in one fell swoop. 
which is, in my mind, that is a definition of emergency. So if somebody came forward with a similar issue, yes, we would discuss it. Uh, to me, this is like the landslide or some of, you know, during COVID and things, because this is a real threat to our town. And then there was a question of where the money should come from. City Administrator John Leach and Municipal Attorney Brian Hansen said the Fisheries Enhancement Fund could likely be used. But Mayor Steven Eisenbeis preferred the money come from the city's general fund. As for whether the assembly could offer more than $25,000, Eisenbeis noted that while no one at the meeting spoke against the measure, the assembly had received some pushback in their inbox. Um, I, I didn't expect that, um, but it, it's, it's for better or for worse what we saw. So I think we should start here and then uh, as things develop, um, keep an eye and a pulse on that. Um, from the, the people in this room and the strength of the people in this room, uh, I have no doubt that we will be continued to be informed on that. The Sitka Assembly didn't take a vote at the meeting. Assembly members Christensen and Kevin Mosier, who co-sponsored the discussion item, said they'd bring an ordinance to the table for the Assembly to vote on at the next regular meeting, January 24th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. The State Department of Transportation is changing the leadership running the Alaska Marine Highway System. As Angela Denning with Coast Alaska reports, the manager of the ferry system is leaving after almost 20 years. And there's a new deputy commissioner. The Alaska Marine Highway Operating Board addressed the staffing changes at a January 6th meeting. Shirley Marquardt is board president. The system is in a really vulnerable place right now. So, you know, in terms of talking about planning for succession and transition, how does that work? Here's DOT Commissioner Ryan Anderson at the meeting. I really recognize there's a lot of change going on right now, and that's a serious thing. The Marine Highway System's general manager of nearly 20 years, Captain John Falvey, announced his retirement. His last day will be January 17th. Commissioner Anderson said they will be aggressively looking for Falvey's replacement over the next month through a national search. They didn't have an advertisement ready at the time of the board meeting. Something we have to, you know, put the energy into and make sure we're, we're all working together, that we have good lines of communication and, and we're all just solid on, we have a, a, a purpose here, and that's, you know, keeping the system moving, keeping Alaska moving. The state named Captain Tony Carvalis interim manager. He's currently the ferry system's operations manager. Retiring Captain Falvey served through five administrations. He was appointed as AMHS general manager in 2004 by Governor Frank Murkowski. Before that, Falvey worked for 27 years in commercial shipbuilding and in ocean-class vessel and fast ferry operations, including crew management. He graduated from the Maine Maritime Academy in 1976. No one from the state would comment on Falvey's tenure when asked several times by Coast Alaska, but Anderson spoke about him briefly at the board meeting. I want to thank Captain Falvey for his service. Uh, he's a vast, you know, knowledgeable man that I respect. Board Vice President Juanetta Ayers said Falvey will be remembered. He really has done a yeoman's job for Alaska and for Alaskans and for the Alaska Marine Highway. Again, Board President Marquardt. He worked through quite a bit of financial and political chaos, which is normal. Everybody, everyone has to do it. But he did that for 20 years. Your time at AMHS is greatly appreciated by thousands and thousands of Alaskans. Falvey did not return emails and calls requesting comment. 
But at the ferry board meeting, he thanked all of the marine highway workers. It takes a team to keep this operation moving. It is very, very complex. And um, it's something that uh, the person riding in this office just, they can't do that by themselves. And that is the ship's crews, the folks here in KCO, the folks out in the terminals. It, it, it takes a real team pulling together to make it all go. The Department of Transportation, which oversees the Marine Highway, also has a new deputy commissioner. Rob Carpenter resigned at the end of the year and was replaced by Catherine Keith on January 5th. She previously served as the liaison for the ferry board. Keith told the board she's optimistic about the future. I think we're at a time where uh, we, we just want to look forward and that the situation that we're in is dynamic and things are happening in real time pretty quickly. Robert Venables, director of the Regional Civic and Business Organization Southeast Conference, has worked with Falvey for 18 years. He said he will be a very tough act to follow. Board member Ayers says she hopes Falvey would share suggestions on managing the marine highway system and the specific skills needed for his replacement before he leaves for good January 17th. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Alaska's flagship ferry, Columbia, will sail in southeast communities this spring. It's the largest of the Alaska Marine Highways ferries, but it's been docked in Ketchikan since 2019, when it was taken out of service as a cost-saving measure. The Alaska Department of Transportation announced the move Wednesday. Spokesperson Sam Dapsevich says crews made an unfortunate discovery while working on maintenance for the ferry that typically covers southeast routes. He said the 60-year-old Matanuska has a fair amount of what's called wasted steel. That's like corroded steel on the vessel that needs to be repaired. They didn't expect to have to do it, and it increases the cost and pushes out the timeline for it to return to service. So not being sure how long it's going to take, plus there's some other issues that need to be dealt with on the Matanuska related to Coast Guard safety requirements. They decided to put the Columbia back online, and then evaluate the plan forward with the Matanuska. Last fall, the Department of Transportation announced the 418-foot Columbia would remain docked despite years of work to make the ship ready to sail. The department had originally planned to task the Matanuska with the mainline southeast route. During its more than three-year layup, the Columbia served as housing for Alaska Marine Highway crew. Dapsevich says the Matanuska will likely take over that role with the Columbia back in service. While it was operating as a housing vessel or a hotel ship, we call it, um, it was also getting work done. And that will likely be the same case with the Matanuska. While it's being worked on, it will be a hotel ship. Dapsovich says the Columbia is scheduled to begin sailing southeast routes on February 13th. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning Edition on Raven Radio, KCAW, SIPCA. It's one minute after 8 o'clock. We're headed into NPR headlines and Alaska Morning News next.